Welcome to Talking TRM, the Travel Risk Management Podcast. I'm Bex Debman and I'm an independent consultant specialising in ISO 31030. During my transition from corporate travel to travel risk, I've met some incredible individuals driving travel risk management forward with passion and expertise. On this podcast, I'm going to chat with them about their stories and hopefully inspire our listeners to start their own travel risk management journey. Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking TRM, the podcast dedicated to travel risk management. My name is Travel Risk Bex and I'm your host. And today, I see I always start this and I always start saying this is my friend, but again, I think this person really is. Um, But she's also so much more than that. She's a work colleague. She's uh, someone who has in fact, you can't be much more than a friend. I'm not even going to go there. I'm going to stop. Um, but the point is, we've known each other from a work perspective as well as just a friendship. So I've known you as your kind of careers developed and the stuff that you're doing. Um, we met oh, a few years ago. It was a, it was literally in the middle of COVID, I think around 2020. And we kind of had this meeting of minds, which is why I've been so stoked to do this with you, because I just think it will be a really good chat today. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome my guest, Heather Haggis. How are you, Heather? I'm so well. It's just, uh, it's so nice to see you again, Bex. I know, it's <laughs> Oh no, I love this. For anyone watching, look at us. Um, I know, we, well, we actually met, didn't we? And I was just actually thinking earlier, was it, th- it was this year or was it the end of last year when we did the advantage? It was, wasn't it? This day, this year's flying. So, um, yeah, we actually got to meet in person, but we developed our relationship like it's absolutely good to do to these days online, Um, having lots of calls and conversations in the middle of COVID. And as much as, you know, everyone's kind of screaming to get back to travel and meeting people, and there is a place for that, I also stand that there is a place for actually having really good relationships and being able to develop really good one to ones. And actually, when you do meet, it's magical, but it doesn't have to be about that. So Heather, I'm so pleased you're here. Thank you so much for joining us. So let's get into question one. Um, Heather, who are you and what is it that you do? Uh, Well, uh, my name is Heather Haggis, as I've been introduced. Um, So my current role is within the Advantage Travel Partnership, uh, which are a very large um, travel consortia specializing in looking after travel agents and just our CEO at the moment, Julia, is storming the UK travel industry and amazing work with with the government as well. Just um, like a just incredible, incredible woman, and it's been amazing. Yeah. It is amazing to work with her. Um, where where I've kind of come in for this is that I've got a, a background in uh, business travel insurance and leisure travel insurance. Um, which I'm going to be touching on today, which um, you know, I've been doing now for the last 15 years. And it has been such an incredible career so far, and I'm really enjoying it. And I'm, I, it's, it's really interesting because it's a part of the insurance world that isn't given that much consideration. Uh, you know, everyone talks about property insurance, everyone talks about liability insurance. And if we're talking about travel, they're, they're thinking about aviation insurance. They, they don't think about the people, the, the, 
the people themselves moving around the world. And, that, and that's a really fascinating piece. And then on the flip side, coming into the travel industry, the insurance side isn't considered that much at all either. So I, I'm working on two different planes. I'm working in the insurance industry that isn't considering uh, the movement of people enough. And I'm in the travel industry taking into consideration that they're not thinking about travel risk management enough and insurance enough. So I'm, I'm kind of trying to spearhead that piece. So I'm, I'm really pleased to be speaking with you, Bex, about this today. Um, my my background is, is with um, a company called Amtrust, who are like the largest um, insurer in, well, the, yeah, one of the largest insurers in, in the world. And then also Aviva, which is closer to home, which I think a lot of the, the listeners will be more familiar with in terms of the brand. And I spent years um, working with our claims teams, with our um, risk management teams. And it's such a fascinating world. It really is. Because um, just as I was touching on earlier, you know, in the insurance piece, generally people look after property liability. Uh, and, you know, in the best, best way in the world, properties, when something goes wrong, it's either a fire, it burns down, it gets, you know, flooded. You know, it's fine. We get, we get it sorted. It's usually about money. When something goes wrong with a person, however, so we've got a traveler, you know, move, going from the UK to, to um, the US or the US coming inbound. Uh, when things go wrong, they go horribly wrong because there's, there's emotion involved. There's yeah. stress involved. Um, so it's, it's something that I just want to kind of highlight to, to people is that there's a there's a new kind of uh, thing to think about in, in travel risk management and it is it, it needs to be a little bit more people focused and there needs to be um, a kind of a more uh, empathic uh, empathetic sorry um, side to travel mis- travel risk management. Thank you, Heather. I I mean I absolutely love this. So. We had um, Bruce McIndoe on a show recently and he talks about people risk management. So um, people risk Bruce, we're now calling him, travel risk Bex. Uh, so he um, he's completely behind this. And I think this is the whole point. You, you touched on it so so nicely. I think we, we end at this end point of, you know, insurance is just being something you've got to do. And in order to get the quote for the insurance, you've got to provide data. And that data are just lines on a spreadsheet. What we've got to get to when we're thinking about travel risk management or people risk management is that every single line on a spreadsheet is a lived experience. It's something happening to a person. This isn't a building, like you rightly say. This isn't a, a piece of IP, which, of course, can have huge effects if, you know, if anything happens or whatever. But this is the uh, – and it's not – when it comes to – I think it's, it is exciting about humans. I'm going to go off on one now a little bit because you never quite know what's going to happen. Humans are unpredictable. But the point is, if you put a framework and sort of security and safety and training around them, you can make them more resilient and you can make them more prepared. Whereas I think at the moment there's this kind of like, oh, you know, travel, you know, you all know how to do it. Just kind of crack on and off you go. And oh, and if anything goes wrong, we've just got insurance and we'll 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 cover it that way. And and it's not the right way to look at this, is it? It's about insurance almost being the lead piece in this when you're looking at policies 
it's about well, what does your insurance policy actually cover you for to begin with and I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to over the years who have no understanding what their travel insurance policy is for especially around COVID when flights were beginning to get cancelled I took numerous calls from clients you know and we're talking you know high up within businesses and that's not to slate them in any way but they just thought that they didn't really get that the travel insurance was about the medical and the repatriation. They thought it was about delays and getting covered for cancellations. And, and it just really threw me because I was like, in your personal life, you take travel insurance. You're not just getting it for a cancellation. You're getting it in case you have to cancel because you're ill or if something happens when you're away. It's the same thing, but we don't seem to be able to translate it very well. So I this is exactly what we kind of connected on, wasn't it? You know, we're, we geek out a little bit on this stuff, but ultimately it's because we love people and it's about protecting people and doing it better, right? So Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's exactly what you just said. What was really fascinating was that because I was sat on the insurance side and I was having a look at the claims data, like you were just saying, you know, we would have spreadsheets upon spreadsheets of, just names and dates and what happened to them. It's just a line. You, know, you can scroll through it really quickly. What was really fascinating was taking out that data and starting to find similarities. So a medical is really, really good example of that. Um, you could put the same, you could put different people into the same situation. And the 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 kind of the, the kind of end point was so different. It was so varied mm-hmm. because of that human element. You know, we uh, a really good example would be um, I looked at two very similar claims that happened in Joburg. Uh, two individuals, completely separate times, uh, completely separate companies. Both of them went into uh, what they thought were taxis. They were held at ransom. They both the, the drivers took these people out to cash points and just you know, have them take out as much cash as they possibly could mm. and then dump them somewhere. So that's that's the kind of, um, that's the fact of the story. What actually happened in those two stories was completely different. Uh, the way that they, each one of them handled it. One of them, thankfully, um, was quite calm and um, had had experience, unfortunately had experience of it. He actually had a, a security consultancy background to him. So he had been through training. This is exactly what you were just talking about going through that training of what to do in these kind of situations. Unfortunately, the other person, um, what we later found out had a disposition for anxiety um, and, and depression. And unfortunately, that person just crumbled. And um, unfortunately, that person was stabbed uh, because they didn't react to the, the, the driver, the person holding them hostage quick enough. Um, and so we had two very wow. different scenarios. Yeah. But same Massively. thing. If you set a building on fire, what what's going to happen? The building's going to go up. It's going to go down. And it'll probably, you know, hopefully get rebuilt. This this you can put. It's just incredible how putting individuals into these situations is so different. And precisely what you just said in terms of the training piece, if we if the insurers are able to lead the the risk management piece, sit down with these companies and say, right, okay, let's let's talk about what happens when your when your people go abroad whether it's somewhere you would consider safe um or somewhere you would consider to be um more high risk let's talk about how we can um 
provide these people with the tools to do whatever is necessary to protect themselves and keep themselves and each other safe. Um, and and the, the claims examples I've just given you is a really good example of what happens when companies invest, insurance companies as well, invest in the, the risks and the people that they're covering to, to prove that you know, these um, that things can be, when they do go wrong, they don't go so horribly wrong and they can be contained. And it's about getting the fact that they do happen. Like, let's get out of this, like, pretense that uh, not on my watch or let's hope it happens to someone else. This stuff is going to happen and how mm. you react to it. And, and, it's, and, the, and it's not always going to be the big stuff, right? It's, it's how it happens. Don't get me wrong, a mugging or, or a carjacking is, is a big piece. But the point is it's, it's to an individual. Easy, though, isn't it? Yeah. You don't yeah. hear about it. No, you don't at all. And it's all very hush-hush. And, and actually the PTSD piece around that and, and the family and everything else. Okay, let's let's get into your why a bit more, Heather. I mean, you've been really open and honest with us um, and I can see the passion. So, But but let's just drive dive into that a little bit more. What is it that, that really drives you in this space? Because it's not an easy space to get into. It's not mm-hmm. an easy way to invoke conversations about. Um, so so what, what is it that, that does it for you? Definitely the people piece. Um, you know, I originally I was underwriting, uh, no, I was broking um, construction. Um, so I was looking at big cranes and uh, railway uh, and um, aviation kind of on sites. And I really enjoyed it. And then what I found what I was enjoying wasn't the kind of, you know, millions upon millions of pounds worth of plant or the, the machinery. It was what's happening with the people using it. And I, I became almost kind of I went down a kind of a, um, sociological kind of kind of view. I started doing my own research into why do people act in certain ways? Why can you put two people in the same scenario and it, and it leads to two very different endpoints? Um, and just by pure chance in that job, I met someone who said, "You really care about what happens to these people." And you're actually really you're really passionate about insurance, which most people in my industry we we fall into insurance. You you don't go through university once or going through your fifty you know your teenage years wanting to go into insurance. But the part I was really really passionate about was if people end up in a situation where they don't they didn't want to be in they were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, or they were in a place which they expected to be, but it's gone horribly wrong. There's an opportunity to step in and say, hey, I've got this. Don't worry about this. Let me help you in getting this this issue sorted for you and allow me to assist you in, in working towards a resolution so that we can get you back on track. I was never smart enough to be a doctor <laughs> to help people in a medical way. Um, I consider the, the legal roots um, of kind of being a solicitor or a barrister um, and trying to help people with their contractual issues. But I found it really is the people side. And insurance is very people focused. Um, we're a very people focused industry, just like travel. But this little niche, this corner of, of travel insurance, is really, really fascinating. And when we can get involved in the, in the claims, when we do get involved with the people who um, 
us need our help or, or need us to drive their, their risk management piece. And it is really lovely when companies came forward. I, I used to work a lot with the charity section uh, sectors, particularly because it's those guys who, you know, if a if a war happens or a tsunami or a medical issue happens abroad, you know, we fly people out, but they're the ones sending people in. And it was really fascinating when they would come to me and say, Heather, we need to find ways in order to get our people across safely into these disaster zones. And I was like, I'm so up for the challenge for this. I want to do everything I possibly can. And when you see that that success, I am like 0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.
worked. And the way that that company worked was to actually have a crisis team and to do scenarios and to practice. But that's because Mm -hmm. they've had a horrendous thing happen many, many years before. It was learned experience and this is what they were putting in place. But it was my first sort of touch that there's all of this other stuff going on in the background that nobody really even has kind of any understanding about. But And actually, in theory, you shouldn't even know about it because if everything's going as it should do, then it shouldn't be an issue. But when it does go wrong, and unfortunately, we're living in a world now where it's more complicated, there's more stuff happening, there's more of us, um, there's, there's, there's misinformation, there's all, you know, it's just chaos at the moment. Um, we need to, we need to be prepared for that. And we, and I, and I agree with you, you know, I, my mum was a midwife. She was, you know, she went into nursing and, and I just didn't ever want to, I just didn't ever want to follow that. The harsh side of it, you know, how tired she was and all that kind of stuff. Um, she, she cared for people, but I knew I couldn't do that, but this I can, you know, to be able to go into companies and, and give them these frameworks to have these conversations. Not sure where to start with implementing a standard such as ISO 31030? A gap analysis exercise from Ascent Risk Management is the best place to start. Our expert consultants will take you step by step through your chosen standard and highlight any weak areas. This can be conducted remotely and the results of the gap analysis can form the plan for your targeted project. Contact Ascent today at www.ascent1, which is A-S-S-E-N-T-1.com and booking your gap analysis today. It's it's interesting. You said some very similar things to, to Jen Milton as well. You know, we, who was, who was on a podcast previously, and I wonder, and this isn't to say that men are not empathic. They are. It's fine. We, mm-hmm. all, we all are. But it, it, I do see this common thread through the female side of this, that we just think about it differently. We, we somehow put ourselves into these situations and think, what if it was me? And maybe that's because we're women. Maybe that's because when we travel, we are more vulnerable in certain situations. So you don't always have to think of that as a, as a, you know, mm-hmm. a old white man who's traveled all his life. It's a different scenario. And, and maybe that's where it comes from. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Um, Joe, I've got a really good example of that. Um, but it all worked out in the end. So it is a little bit of a harrowing story. Um, but you, we, you want to share? Uh, sorry? You, you, can you share? I, I won't give like details. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. example that we, we use. Yeah, um, of, of kind of how how powerful empathy is, and I, I think this is where, yeah, having empathic people, particularly in, in my side of the industry, is so important. We had a, a, a charity who sent a um, a young lady into one of the um, uh, states where you know it's just not, uh, I guess, kind of one of the more Arab states. Um, places where you know women's rights were a little bit um, not not as great as ours let's just say I don't want to say the exact country um, and unfortunately that that girl was um, sexually assaulted and raped um, and you know and the thing is is that she did the what we would consider as as western women um, the right thing she went to the police um, and I can see your face already. You already know where this is going. They put her in prison. So she had just been, she's, she was also traveling on her own. 
Um, and you know, she'd just gone through this harrowing experience and then she was thrown into a prison. And it was absolutely, it caused so much uproar within, um, within our company, the insurance company, when we found out, obviously the, the charity went all up in arms. But unfortunately, because it was a considered legal, um, you know, she wasn't imprisoned illegally, uh, we, couldn't, we couldn't just lift her and drop her uh, back into the UK. But you know what the most amazing thing was, was that the, the claims team I was dealing with, they went absolutely berserk because actually all of them were men. And one of them had a daughter the same age as the girl who was gone through this. He went absolutely nuts. And he was like, under all circumstances, he was up. I can't even tell you how hard he worked. He did everything within his power to get that girl out because he put himself as the father of that, that girl and said, if that was my daughter, I will fight tooth and nail for her. And it was amazing how, you know, we, he, him and the team got so enveloped in, in what was happening to her. He was speaking to the charity, you know, the HR team at the charity. He was speaking to the family, um, you know, the insurance company was all behind this. And obviously we, we got the girl out and um, and you know, we got back to the UK and we looked after her medical side over here as well. Um, and we, we carried that on, you know, even you know, several months later, we checked in on her. And it was just absolutely incredible. That was the first time I've ever seen that level of empathy, that level of power and passion behind the individual rather than just being a statistic, a statistic or just a number on a spreadsheet. So I, you know, I have seen that this 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 wave of empathy that's coming into the the insurance industry, um, making such a powerful change from the travel risk management piece. Because if our guys on our side are saying we want companies to make sure that they send particularly possibly more vulnerable people out to territories where their, their vulnerability might be um, kind of exasperated. We need to help. We need to work with our with our policyholder. Work with the company to say, how can we assist you in making sure that these people are safe? And and that's where I'm really really proud and pleased to be a part of this this part of the industry because this has really only happened from my perspective in the last ten years. Um, and like what you know, drawing way back to the beginning of this conversation, it's about the insurance industry leading that travel risk management piece and saying. Listen, we've got experience in this area. We want to help you. We want to work with you in order to make sure that your trip, your business trip is successful and these people are safe. And that's what I'm really proud of. It, it's, it's moving a little bit too slow, in my opinion, but it's we're getting there. I agree. Nothing's ever fast enough, though, is it? Because, again, it's about people. And I think for every claim, you think, oh, that could have been avoided. Or for every, and I say yeah. claim. I mean, is every experience of a person, but it gets to a claim is, is the issue. Um, and you just think we, we could just do so much better at all of this and it's there in our power. To, but, but, you know, we also get the companies have got a lot to do right now in a lot of different mm-hmm. areas. For me, it all just kind of comes together in this big melting pot of, well, it's the same thing. So if you kind of look after one piece, you're naturally going to look after another piece and it's all under this sort of people risk management. But then, you know, organisations are getting used to risk management. I agree 
massively the changes have happened in the last 10 years this idea of disaster recovery business continuity risk management really though from your from an insurance's perspective it's kind of what you've been built on right <laughs> the understanding that so so of course you should lead in this space but i think it's about then you guys i guess leading the way because you you know it but then it's also mm-hmm. about, again, the travel providers, in my case, which is what I am obviously working with, the corporates at the end point to, to, to develop the programs. But the suppliers have got to come along. And at this point, there you've got some great suppliers that are engaging, but there's still a lot of confusion around this, which which I guess the worker advantage can only help with as well, right? Because you've got not only the, the leisure side and you've got the, the TMCs and the, the leisure agents, but you've also got this huge supplier network as well, right, where you can hopefully give them the support and the help that they need on this journey as well because there's always been this issue of uh, responsibility right when a claim comes through yes. arguably mm-hmm. I think 31 and 30 is a bit of a leveler as far as that's concerned you know it will be used in these cases um, but it's it's about educating everybody at the same time but yeah I'm, I'm all for insurance being actually spoken about and I remember like in travel going way back to a bit in the conversation earlier you know, we were at business travel. We were never allowed to sell insurance. Full stop. Right mm-hmm. when I first started, it was it, it was all to do mm-hmm. with the business corporate and that side. But leisure, you yeah. were, but you had to do some training with the FSA, and you had to ensure that you weren't misselling. And it was, you know, it was kind of mid nineties, I guess, late nineties. So it, it, before that, there had been a lot of misselling with policies and that kind of thing. Yeah. But we've never really, I just, we've never really cared about it. We never really talked about it. Whereas. And I guess it's because we kind of relinquish responsibility as the industry. We're just like, well, yeah, we do provide all this stuff, but it's up to you whether you get on it. And it's up to you whether you do this and make sure you're insured for it. So we sort of sit aside from it, apart from obviously our our, our own business insurances. Anyway, I'm diving into this a bit deep, so I'm going to pull us back. So I just want to, um, thinking about our listeners who are perhaps new to this space, who perhaps want to know how they can think about a travel risk management program we've talked about leading from insurance so what sort of tips what are your golden nuggets heather for anyone kind of wanting to to explore this a bit more please um i think the main thing to remember is that it doesn't it you know if you think about insurance or you think about the iso it sounds like there's a lot of paperwork involved um i think this is why some companies have have kind of kept away from the travel risk management piece uh, it sounds like we have to do loads of planning uh, and you have to sit down out of your day job and, and do all this paperwork and, and blue sky. But actually, you don't. We've got to remember that tra- travel risk management is about people. Um, and actually, we, we need to make action now. We can't just sit back and plan. I think, um, you know, COVID is a really good example of that. No one could have really planned for that. What we've got to do is we've got to spring into action. And we need to know what our... Um, I'm trying to think of the word, like what are tools we can use, you know, what's available to us. So firstly, for a company, if you've, if you've got uh, corporate insurance, corporate travel insurance, the likelihood is that the insurer will have these, this toolkit for you already. You'll, you'll actually be able to find this within the policy wording. You don't have to dig too deep. It's usually in the first couple of pages. And it's usually something like an app. Uh, there's so many amazing travel risk 
companies, digital companies out there. I don't want to name them because I'm, I don't want to say one and not another because there are quite a few. Where you, it's it's completely free on the policy to download this. You know, there are companies who who pay a lot of money for it, for these these apps that say, you know, what is the risk in particular countries? Um, what do you need to think about when you travel to them? What are the concerns that you've got to consider whenever you're traveling by public transport or uh, if you want to eat out or you want to go into a public space? These apps are really expensive, but insurers have taken have taken on the brunt of the, the cost of this and it's free to policyholders. Insurers, I'm going to name a few insurers, obviously Aviva, RSA, uh, Chubb, um, a lot of Lloyd's insurers as well. Download them, you know, speak to your insurance brokers and ask them what are the, the, the tools that my insurers can give me in order to make my travel risk management piece so much easier. Um, and actually, you know, if you do have a broker or if you've got a, you can speak to the insurer directly, sit down with the insurer, you know, have a Zoom call or a Teams call if you haven't got time to do a face-to-face and ask them, you know, you know, what in our space have you seen in terms of claims? What can we do to make sure that these claims don't happen to us? What can we do to better protect our clients, uh, our, our employees, sorry, and throw it onto the insurer. You know, say to the insurer, give me a one pager. What, what can I do? Give me a tick box, throw it back onto them. You don't have to do the work. At the end of the day, you are probably busy enough booking the trips or you are considering your employees, throw it onto your insurer. This is what you pay that policy premium for. It, it's, not a, it's not a cost for a piece of paper. It really is. There's a huge amount of advice sit, sitting behind in the insurance industry. Tap into them. Don't just speak to your broker once a month, uh, you know, once a year when you come up to renewals. I'll sit down with your broker and say, right, what what are the opportunities and the toolkits that I can use that the insurers have got and will are willing to give me for free? Because actually, you're you're probably paying for it anyway in your premiums. So that's the first thing that I would say is. Get in touch with your insurer, get in touch with your insurance broker and have those candidate conversations. The second thing that I would say is um, speak to your employees, get to know them really well. Uh, There is a really challenging piece at the moment. I know that this is challenging for an employer because you've got to consider who is the best person to go out on these trips at any one time. So I, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk about something that's a little bit cringy, but if you are going to do, you know, a, a, a business trip into a particularly high risk area, you know, are you going to send an employee who you know has a history of anxiety or PTSD or who is going through a family traumatic event? You're, in, you know, you've got to take these into considerations and you've got to be able to have those conversations with those employees and saying, I know that you're having a difficult time at the moment. You know, how about we don't do this trip right now? We either put this on hold, we put this online because going online is now an option. Um, or, you know, let's, let's look at uh, maybe another team member going out. You don't have to be that candid. I'm sure you can come around it in a, in a slightly um, more roundabout way. But we, we have a responsibility as employers to send out the best people at the best time. 
And maybe your best salesperson or that particular director who has that relationship is the best person. But given the circumstances that that person's going through, that personal side of it, that empathetic side of it, is it the right thing to do to send them out? So we as employers have to ask those questions as well. So there is two prong attack. So yeah, the, the, those are the two sides of it. And the most important part that I have tried to steer clear of is the paperwork side. It's it's just kind of, you know, let's let's think about this, make a quick decision on it. As long as you can back it up, speak to your insurers, speak to your staff. Um, you don't have to sit down for hours and then doing paperwork. <laughs> Right. I, oh, Heather, I, there's so many things I want to talk about, but I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just touch on a couple because like we, we're going, we're going to invite Heather back and we're going to have more conversations. I can, I can feel this happening. But I think firstly, I, I, yes, as far as your policy is concerned, this is why we talk about insurance kind of leading everything mm-hmm. because you're going to have possibly some sort of connection, you know, Chubb do stuff with some of the assistance companies I'm, I was about yeah. to name drop, but they all do. I shouldn't say that. So there's all some things so potentially double you're double stacking because you possibly got something with the tmc but you've also possibly got yes. something with your insurance company and actually you need those two things to tie together um and the data that's flowing between and that that's all really important but i just want to touch back on this push it back to your insurance company i cannot emphasize this enough like having been i know i wasn't insurance i was obviously tmc but you as an, as an account manager is what i'm trying to get at here you want a relationship with your client you don't want to see them once a year. That's not good enough. Like you want to get inside them because you want to keep that relationship. So anything that a client can push back onto a supplier and which is going to engage and help them understand you better is a good thing. So I can assure you, unless you've got a terrible account manager, they'll be chewing at the bit to try and help you more and to want to learn. Because otherwise, when you come through to renewal, you're going to go with someone else potentially because they've got no understanding. You could, it's got to be two way this, you know, this ability to, to build a relationship. And I just, I just absolutely, I just, yeah, I just really love that. And I think it's, it's really, really important. Um, And then this, you know, talking to your travelers, understanding that they understand what's going on, the whole training piece um, and having this, yeah, yeah, you just touched on it so beautifully. You do need to know who your people are. I cannot emphasize this enough. You do need to know what's going on with them. And yes, if you're a massive company, that might sound like a total headache, but that's the whole point of having nine managers and all of this other stuff going on. That's the whole point of having this sort of framework. It's how we've got to we've got to move away from this idea of paperwork. It, you know, if you're having a, I'm just sort of, you know, these touch points that managers have, which we refuse to do around travel. Um, this is exactly the point right this is exactly why you have these touch points to 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 talk about this stuff to make sure people are okay to tune in we don't just do it to to have an assessment once a year uh we do it to to ensure that every day is working in the way that it should be and that's where we need to get to with this stuff standards aren't there to be looked at once a year insurances aren't they're there to help you mm-hmm. a little bit of investment up front be it at time more so than actually money um will actually mean that you do less further on down the line because it's working how it should do so um everybody you've been listening to another episode from talking trm my name is travel risk bex um this is the podcast dedicated to travel risk management in its widest possible capacity and we're talking about people heather thank you so much for being my guest today um it was a pleasure it was a pleasure to talk to you and we'll catch up really, really soon and keep doing what you're doing. Um, I'm a big fan.
Talk soon, everybody. Thank you. And in the meantime, take care. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Talking TRM is in association with the Scent Risk Management. If you enjoyed listening to today's podcast, please subscribe and make sure to leave a review. If you need any help with implementing an ISO standard, such as ISO 31 or 30, or if you have any questions regarding ISO, please reach out to Ascent Risk Management to talk to our expert consultants today. We can be found at www.ascent1.com. We're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, and links can be found in the show description. This podcast is a Clemark Studio production and was produced by Jessica Ingalls.